And welcome again to Shine Church. So, yes, you may be noticing something different. So, it's either A, Dan is establishing a new dress code, and you're going to see this with possible engraved name tags. A, coming next week. B, I have a corporate interview for a job after this service. Or C, we are part of an amazing family. It's C. <laughs> I'm going to give it away. It's C. Okay. Let me tell you why. I just got back from officiating a vow renewal that wasn't supposed to happen today. So a couple weeks ago, I heard from a groom who'd been married five years. He reached out to me. He says, I'm trying to surprise my wife. We're on a trip to Colorado. I want to renew our vows. I want to totally go behind her back and just do this thing right. Get flowers, have an officiant, renew our vows, all this stuff. And so he tells me 11-6, November 6th. I'm like, okay, great. Gets on my calendar, 11-6, which you might realize is yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. I can be in Colorado Springs at 420 on the 6th. So the whole thing happens. I'm sitting there getting ready to shave at 2.30 in the afternoon yesterday, getting ready to put my suit on and go to Colorado Springs to officiate this vow renewal. And I realized that the florist, who is part of our congregation, uh, hasn't dropped off the flowers at my house yet. And I'm like, are you coming? She's like, that's tomorrow. I'm like, it's tomorrow. Better not be tomorrow. I'm teaching this weekend. <laughs> What's more, I had another wedding conveniently scheduled at 2 p.m. North Glen. <laughs> Bilingual wedding. Neil, what percentage of bilingual weddings start perfectly on time? Let's not talk about it. I've done several. So I'm like, dear Lord. So, you know, initially, I, before I really think of what I'm doing, I text back like, okay, we got your back. Because, you know, something in my heart's like, this guy, he said it's been a really tough year. Didn't go into all the details. But as a pastor, you know, you're like, it could be really important. So I'm like, Okay, this is not what you said, but I, I don't know. I don't know how physically, I don't even know physically if it's possible to be in Broomfield for a bilingual <laughs> wedding at two, be in Colorado Springs at four, be here at 5.30. And that's what, and, and, and Dan, yeah, five. Technically, the service starts at five. Point taken. <laughs> I'm not the business pastor for a reason. So I hadn't even put it in ways yet. <laughs> So I, I called Dan, I'm like, Dan, dude, this is what's happening. I'm like, I, man, this is rough. I did not an ideal situation at all. I'm sorry, but I, dude, Dan, here's the, guy, here's the thing, guys. We're part of a great church. We're part of a great family. Dan was like, I got your back. Like, I will preach if we have to off of your notes, whatever. We'll make this work. So I'm literally like driving up there. I'm like, Jesus, like, literally, guys, you have to understand, Everything had, like the planets had to align. Like there could not be one flat tire, one accident, one, like just everything had to be to the minute. Well, so I get out of a bilingual wedding that starts six minutes late that the wind is blowing tents over in, in this outdoor venue, literally. I'm like, dear Jesus. That was after seeing an accident on the southbound of I-25 on my way to the wedding going, uh-oh, if that's not cleared up in an hour, nobody going nowhere. We're having a midnight service, like Christmas Eve. <laughs> Michael Kirk is in. So all that to say, I get out of there at 
235. They forget the marriage license, which saves me time at the end. <laughs> Even though I reminded them this morning, I reminded the bride, like, don't forget the rings, the marriage license. I went through the whole time. They still forget. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. We'll get together Monday. I'm out. I'm in my car at 235 with a wedding that started at 206. Like, a bilingual wedding with two extra elements that they do the lasso thing and all, you know, coins and cool stuff. Las arras, you know what I'm talking about. So, I mean, I'm like, how, God, I am seeing a miracle. I am living a modern-day miracle. Well, get down to Colorado Springs so early. I'm down there, like, before 4 o'clock. This is easy. God's like, well, the trials of your faith aren't quite over yet, my son. <laughs> the hairdresser. Isn't it always the hairdresser? <laughs> the bride that's being, well, the, the wife of five years, but the, the, the bride, vow renewal bride that's being surprised, doesn't know what's happening, has a hair appointment. It goes late. Like, 4.20, which is when we actually even were going to start it, if we didn't start early, 4.30, 4.31, 4.32, 4.33, I'm standing out, Garden of the Gods Resort, thinking, well, I could apply for churches down here since Dan's going to fire me. I'm dressed for it. I'm like, dear God, anoint, I have my intercessors, Rich and Carrie Penaloza, praying for the hairdresser. I'm not even kidding you. I'm like, pray for the hairdresser, anointed hands to just let, it, let the bride love her hair. Okay, doesn't happen. She comes out late, but let me tell you what, guys. She's in this white dress, not a bridal dress, but a, but a beautiful cream whatever dress. He's in a suit. They walk in, and she's, tears are beginning to fall down her cheeks because she sees the extent that her husband has gone to to plan all of this, and she's the planner in the family. He's not the logistics guy, obviously. Hey, I need a, I need a fish here for 11.6. Okay. <laughs> but she realizes the love that he has for her and the fact that he's wanting to make a new beginning after a very difficult season. And yesterday morning when I woke up, I felt like the Lord dropped a word in my heart for them. That's not the typical spiel I use at my weddings. And I'm telling you what, guys. God spoke a word of hope to them that whoever comes to Jesus, rivers of living water will flow from their inmost being. That wherever God's flood goes, it raises the level of the water to where all the barriers and walls we build, they're irrelevant because they're 20 or 30 feet below. We don't even see them. They don't affect our lives. It washes the old away into the sea of forgetfulness. It takes us to new places, God's flood, and it becomes a marker on our calendar it says, from this day forward, like Haggai says, I will bless you. From the day you decided to build the foundation for my temple, from the day you decided to put me first and build your marriage or build your family on, on me, on a solid rock. Pay attention, Haggai says, because from this day forward, there will be fruit on the trees. From this day forward, you will be blessed. And I'm here to tell you guys, we're a family. You're a part of everything God does through me, and I'm a part of everything God does through you. And so to be part of a family where our leader is flexible and say, man, okay, you know, wow, this could really be a disaster and embarrassing, and what do you tell the people? Like, sorry, our preacher didn't show up, you know? <laughs> but to, to be part, to be doing ministry with people that say, you know, okay, maybe God's doing something that doesn't fit our formula. You know what I'm saying? We're like, well, this is important, I know, but this is important, and this is, okay, how does it all, I don't know. There's too many important things all in one thing. But God is able to, God's able to say, hey, it's okay. I can get you there. We can speak words of hope and life to a marriage that needs it. And you guys are right here 
letting me speak to you tonight in a suit. <laughs> Amen. Can we give God some praise? So before I, and I promise you I will not keep you here long, but before uh, we get on with the message, I wanted to take a little selfie with you guys that I can send to the groom because he just thanked me for being a part of it. Are you guys cool with that? And I want to just tell him, Shining Church is honored to be part of your new beginning. So let's see if I can figure out the technology. All right, here we go. I'm going to come over here so we can get as many of you guys as possible. Smile, everybody. One, two. All right, this is going to John. Hold on one second. I just want to make sure I give credit to Shine Church. So I'm like, we Shine Church. We Shine Church are honored to be a part of your new beginning. God, thanks. Thank you for your compassion. Thank you for your heart for us in this room, your heart for our nation, divided, confused, reeling, trying to hope, trying to heal, your heart for a couple from Ohio. Jesus, you're the greatest. You're the redeemer. You make all things new. Your power is unrivaled and unmatched. And we're happy to be part of your family. We're happy to be family, one with another. We're happy to be about your business in the world. Thanks for giving us a mission and a purpose here. Renew that in our hearts tonight. Open our eyes, even through your word. God bless your people in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, ironically, we're talking about a little bit about our purpose in the world. We're in a series called Endgame, and I love this series. I hope you're feeling like God is speaking to you through this. Um, I really feel like it's from the Lord, and kind of the theme of Endgame, if you're not real familiar with, with this whole series, uh, in my understanding, is kind of like this. Uh, understanding God's Endgame is the best way to be ready for the Endgame. Does that make sense? Understanding God's end game, understanding God's objective, understanding what God is really after is the best way for each of us to actually be prepared for the end game, like the end times. Does that make sense? And so we're looking at Matthew 24 and 25. In Matthew 24, Jesus is speaking of the end, but then in chapter 25, immediately he transitions and he starts telling these parables. And it's like, wait, what? But I think it's exactly what God's showing us is that Jesus was saying, okay, here's some signs of the end, but if you really want to be ready, don't just nerd out about, okay, when is it happening? Is it after the rapture? Before? Is it three and a half years? Seven years tribulation? Give me my graph. Okay, it's bear, supper, the lamb, up and down. 70 weeks, Daniel, what's happening? He's saying, that's fine to study that. Nothing wrong with that. Absolutely. Do that if, if that's your thing. But I believe that God is saying the best way, the only surefire way to be ready it's to actually get on board with my end game, with my objective, with my heart for my people, with my heart for my church. Because if we're saying, God, do it in us, God. Make us the people that you want us to be. Make us the people that shine your glory to a broken and hurting world. Then, hey, whether it comes tomorrow or it comes 100 years from now, we will be ready. And we will be ready to face him and to enter into the joy of our Lord. And so we're gonna talk tonight real briefly about the parable of the talents, and it speaks exactly 
of that, you better not start that 30-minute time countdown now or people will throw tomatoes at me. So put it to like 17 minutes or something. Okay. But uh, I want to read uh, that passage, and it's in Matthew 25, 14 through 30. 25, 14 through 30 out of the Berean Study Bible, uh, if you're following along. And it says the, this. For it is just like a man, and it meaning the kingdom of God, I believe, or the end times, just like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted them with his possessions. To one he gave five talents, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his own ability. And he went on his journey. The servant who had received the five talents went at once and put them to work and gained five more. Likewise, the one with two talents gained two more. Baby, could I have a Kleenex, please? Camille. I need a Kleenex. Thank you. <laughs> Somebody. <laughs> Sorry about that. Too much emotion. Okay. Likewise, the one with two talents gained two more. But the servant who had received the one talent, Dan, thank you. I love you. <laughs> Lifesaver. But the servant who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned to settle accounts with them. The servant who had received the five talents came and presented five more. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained five more. His master replied in verse 21, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. The servant who had received the two talents also came and said, Master, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Finally, the servant who had received the one talent came and said, Master, I knew you were a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, have what belongs to you. You wicked, lazy servant, replied his master. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Then you should have deposited my money with the bankers, so on my return I would have received it back with interest. Therefore, take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For everyone who has will be given more and will have an abundance. But the one who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. And throw that worthless servant into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. There's a lot that God wants to speak to us through this parable, but it won't take a lot of time, so... Be ready to listen closely. I believe there are several things that God wants us to understand before we look at the reactions of the different servants and even learn from those. And the first of this is that you and I were left on this earth with a purpose. It's exactly what I was talking about. We weren't left here because the bus left and forgot us as I forgot my daughter at Jubilee Lone Tree one Saturday night after <laughs> going home with my wife and I get like a text from some amazing parishioner like, um, your daughter who's like six years old is just wandering about the building. I'm like, honey, I thought you had her. I thought you had you. We were not forgotten. We were left here for a purpose. We were left here for a reason. These servants were given resources and given a mission and a purpose, something to fulfill. Do you believe that? These talents belong to the master. They don't belong to us. There's something that he's given us from his resources, right? And what about this? I believe they probably represent anything in our lives that can be used to bring glory to God, right? It doesn't have to be money, obviously. It doesn't have to be good looks, 
even a skill, a talent, an ability you have, a spiritual gift even, I think really talent could probably refer to anything in our lives that can be used to bring glory to the master, glory to our God. If I had to define it, I would say this. Anything that comes naturally to you and that aligns with your wiring is perhaps the most narrow definition of a talent. Anything that comes naturally or easily to you and aligns with the way that you're wired. Now, these talents, a couple more observations, it was very valuable. He didn't leave them with, you know, a couple of bucks. Basically, a talent, as I've researched it in the hallways of theology of Wikipedia, a talent was six, excuse me, 6,000 days wages. 6,000, I believe it's denarii or, anyway, a day's wage. So let's just say in Douglas County, if you said, you know what, a decent wage is $50,000 a year. When you divide a 6,000 by 365, carry the one square root, all that, it comes up to like 14 point something something years, which at $50,000 of salary per year, one talent, the least the smallest amount that was given, one talent, according to my calculations, was $821,000 in modern times and change. So, right, if you were given $821,000, I mean, could you think of something to do with it? I know what my wife would do with it. She would probably create a wedding venue or a Magnolia, Waco, Texas, like little remote silo selling little cute, you know, things and scrolls to put on your wall and stuff like that. I don't know. What would you do with it? Real quick. What would you do with $800,000 as a business idea? Have you thought about it? Anybody? Do you? Coffee shop. Bam. I'm there. Just tell me when, Jamie. Anybody else? What would you do with it? $800,000. What? Debbie Hackenkamp. Hallelujah, sister. She would build a bigger church. Ha! Glory to God. Bless you, sister. Woman after our own heart around here. <laughs> Anybody else? Any idea? What would you do with $821,000? As a fun business venture. Anybody? Nobody's thought about this? Wow. Okay. What? Travel? Get paid as a professional tourist? Maybe. Right? I know a guy that got hired for a year to be the minister of fun in like New Zealand. Oh yeah, his name was Andrew. Dan knows what I'm talking about. His name was Andrew. And he literally got hired to go on social media and just do fun things, jump out of airplanes, go surfing, go do this, go rock climbing, and just, woohoo, look at me. New Zealand is fun. And he got paid a ton of money to go do that. So maybe that was his idea. The point being, it wasn't, it was valuable. The talents that were given to these servants, there was substance to them. And I believe that God wants you to know that you have not been left without substance in the mission that God has left you here to accomplish. So even if you consider yourself a one-talent person, that's $821,000 according to this parable. So God is saying, man, I'm, I have high expectations. I'm excited. I don't know. Maybe you can't open a chain of car dealerships with that, but maybe you can open a mean hot dog stand. Or maybe you can open up a, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I don't know, right? It, 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 whatever that is, it could be a really fun thing. And your father, because you know we're not just servants. We're sons and daughters. So even though it doesn't explicitly say it in this story, but God is saying, you're my kids. I want to work with you on this project. I'm going to give you some talents that it might be different, but 
I'm excited to work together with you and have some fun and see what, what comes of it. And that's what he did. And last but not least, they were uniquely and differently distributed. See that? Right? They were, one received one, the other one received two, and the third one received wrong. It was the other way around. Five, two, no, five, two, and one, two, one, one, two, and five. But the point being, they were given differently and uniquely, right? And I want to look for a second at the responses of the different servants that helped them or hindered them in being faithful to God's end game for them, to his mission for them. Because I think if we get this, we will be able to be fruitful, we'll be able to be on point, on target, on purpose, live our lives as we look for his return, as we look to the end game, but we'll be able to conform to God's end game of transforming us. You ready for this? You okay? Already too long? Can we just call it 602? We can go home? Okay. Here's what I think the servant of the one talent, where he fell down, where he got sideways, is the first thing I believe that, that came against him was fear. Not believing that God wanted him to be successful and not believing that the master wanted him to enter his joy. Right? He was like, I was afraid because I know that you harvest where you haven't sown. And that you had whatever, right? And, and so he was afraid somehow the lie of the enemy that the master didn't want him to truly succeed. That the master didn't want to be proud of him the way he was proud of the other servants. Somehow that little lie got in there and began to stir up havoc. And does that happen in our lives, guys? Does the enemy try to come against us and say, God's not happy with you. He doesn't want you to be fruitful. He doesn't have high expectations and hopes and, and joy and expectation of your life. Maybe, maybe the person sitting next to you or on the other side here or watching from home, but not you. You're an embarrassment. You're, you're the leftovers. He had, a, he had a talent. He didn't know what to do with it, so he decided, fine, I'll give it to you. Does the enemy lie to us, guys? Tell you what, what happened with that? It began to grow, that, that, that doubt, that fear. It began to cause a sickness in his heart. Same thing with us, doesn't it? If we let those thoughts in, man, it can start really messing with us. What about this? I think he gave in to comparison. Ever done that? Ever looked at somebody else and thought, man, they sure have a lot of talent. Man, God sure like double doused it on the, you know, assembly line of talent, you know, in heaven. They're like, it got stuck. You know, there it goes, you know. I mean, I think I'm a little bit funny. But Rob Painter, can I get a witness, folks? Can I get a witness in this house? Rob Painter, the, 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 the thing broke, and, and God was just dousing. I mean, he comes out with stuff at the office that we're like, why are you not publishing books? Like his little one-liners, his little zingers. Oh, my goodness. He was going to lunch with somebody, you know, here in town, and he was like, well, Loveland's a long way off, so we better get going. I mean, just, what does he think of this stuff? I don't know. Maybe he studies a book in his office. We never see. The door's closed. But the point being, we can look at somebody else, right, and go, man, that's talent. That person. Have you ever looked at somebody who maybe had a gift of hospitality? And you're like, now they know how to have people over. They know how to 
clean their house and have the right kind of candles with the right kind of scent. And, you know, oh, let us take your coat. <laughs> oh, would you like a drink? You know, hot cocoa. Oh, come into the beautifully, you know, whatever, you know. I don't have a very good hospitality. If you've any of you been to my house, like, yeah, come on in. Honey, we got a bubbly. <laughs> we got any tap water? Like, we can look at other people and go, man, God, that's what God can use. And I, I'm making light, right? But sometimes it, you know, it isn't that light because we begin to, to, to sink into comparison. And again, the enemy combines that lie of fear or you're insignificant, you're less than, and all of a sudden he gets us looking away from what God's given us and to what God's given somebody else. Look at that pastor. He's writing books. He's, he's writing songs. Ooh, blessing, whatever, you know. Oh, sure, bring Carrie Job in. We'll write a song on a weekend. It'll go multi-triple platinum, you know, just while I was sleeping. Like, there's other people that have way more talent. I don't care who you are. But man, what happens is when we give into that, it creates a spirit of judgment against God. Have you ever seen it get to that point? Where we're like, God, how did, why did you do that? God, that's not fair. God, that was wrong. God, I don't have what they have. And we can give into that spirit. Then it turns into a critical spirit or a judgment spirit of God. And you know what happens, guys? Our demand to judge the fairness of God often hinders us from enjoying the goodness of God. Our demand to judge the fairness of God, our obsession with fairness, hinders us from just experiencing the goodness of God. And that, man, I, I pray that brings freedom to somebody listening. Because until we release the gavel of judgment and say, God, I may not understand it. I don't know why. I don't know why they were blessed that way. I don't know why their marriage is so wonderful. I don't know why their business is prospering. I don't know why they're, everybody wants to go to their house for fun and popcorn. I don't know why, you know what I'm saying? I don't know. I don't know why they have so many friends. I don't know why they know so much about your word. I don't know why they can sing like Janelle. I mean, did anybody can sing? <clears throat> but we start judging. And God is saying, man, if you'll just set the gavel down, you might not understand the reasons why I give one or two or five. Or maybe on the flip side, why you're going through suffering. And it isn't fair. It doesn't seem fair. But if you'll just release that gavel, I'm waiting to pour my love and my goodness into your life. I'm waiting to walk through that trial with you. Janet was telling me this week about the mother of a close friend to Jarrett, her son Jarrett, who's in college out in Arizona. And this young man, they were on a camping trip, Jarrett was with them, and he collapsed and ended up dying right there in Jarrett's arms. Can you imagine? College age, in the prime of life, in the strength of youth, everything in front of you. And now you're grieving that kind of a loss. And Janet was telling me this woman on her social media posts and on her journals and whatever she's sharing is like, God, I don't understand, but you're faithful. You're a comforter. You are good. Even in the pain, even in the hurt, Talk about, wow, <laughs> talk about putting the gavel down when it would be so easy to go wrong, 
That, you should never allow that to happen. This young man loved you. This young man was going to go change the world. So it's not always just comparing ourselves with talents or gifts, but man, what if, what if even that pain is in some way something that God has entrusted to say, I've seen on the other side. And this could bring glory to me. And I'm trusting you as my daughter or my son to, to come back time and time again. And it's not going to be easy, but to bring your heart once again and place it on, on my altar and bring me glory through this process in a way that will cause others to pay attention. I don't understand, guys. I certainly have no, I, I, I don't claim to have an answer or understand, or, but, but wow, what about that? What about when it happens to us? So God is challenging us in that way to put the gavel down, to stop judging his fairness and open our heart to his goodness because he wants to flood in. What about what does work? What was the response of the other two? I believe God wants us, if you want to hit the sweet spot of fruitfulness, it starts with accepting our current capacity, accepting our current capacity and going from there. Did you see it when it says he gave the talents to them according to their ability? According to their ability. See, God has created both a capacity and the gifts that fit that capacity. If I have, which I do have, a Mini Cooper convertible, it's fun. I just drove it 153 miles today. <laughs> no flat tires. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Okay. Mini Cooper, an F-250, and then one of those like dirt mover, like, you know, with the tires that are like 18 feet tall or whatever. You know, you know what I'm talking about? The dirt mover things. Each one of those has a very different capacity, right? If you're going to move rocks, well, the F-250 could do a decent load. That big old dirt mover could like bury your house in rocks if you just wanted it to look more like an anthill, like a mound of rocks. But my little Mini Cooper convertible would probably just be like a little bit on the seat. <laughs> it's for my aquarium. This is the capacity of my little Mini Cooper. But I love my Mini Cooper. It's not less valuable. It, man, talk about on the road. I was going 56 miles an hour in order to get here on time. Okay, Lord, no, I was going a little bit faster. Okay. The point being, each one has a capacity. Each one has a purpose. Some might work better and, 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 and be able to carry more rocks, but others have greater strengths in other ways. God has created you with a unique capacity, and he knows the amount of gifting or talent that fits your capacity. He wants life to be a joy. Can you imagine if you dumped a huge load of rocks into my Mini Cooper? <laughs> okay. It wouldn't be joyful. It wouldn't be fun. If I'm trying to carry the rocks that the big earth mover or even the F-250 is carrying. But when I embrace my own capacity, say, God, what do you want me to move with this little Mini Cooper? Is it just go from house to house and delivering a few rocks for aquariums? Here you go, God. Here you go. Maybe, but God wants it to be a joy. God wants our service to him, our fruitfulness, even the, the return of our talents for him to be a joy. What about this? He wants us to use our talents here and now. Right? Not just looking for heaven, but here and now. 
in that joy, it, makes, it made me think of Goldilocks and the little three bears. You guys remember that story? Did you think you were going to be told a kid's story tonight when you came to church? Surprise! A little kid's story. Do you know the story? Eve of Goldilocks and the three little bears? She went into their house. She got into the first bed. It was like, oh, this is too big. She went into the second bed. She's like, ooh, this is too small. She went into the third bed. What happened? It was just right. And that's the way God wants you to feel. Like, it's just right. There's a fit for the way that you use your talents. Whatever those things are that he's put in you. If you're good at tutoring, if you're good at math, if you're good at sports, if you're good at singing, if you're good at selling stuff, if you're good at loving on people over a cup of coffee, whatever your talent is, if you're good at reading Bible stories to your kids and sharing with them how beautiful Jesus is, God wants you to know, man, he wants it to feel just right, even as he stretches us. It's just, he can grow our capacity and give us more talent, but he wants it to feel right in his own wisdom so that we don't have to walk in comparison, but we can walk in the joy of knowing that we're valued exactly for how he's made us and the talents he's given us. What about this? Enjoy the ride and trust his reward. He wants us to enjoy the ride and to trust his reward. Notice this. Do you have that slide? So the reward for the two-talent person that made two more talents, so a million point six into 3.2 million, and the five-talent person, which I have no idea, because as I said, I'm not the business pastor, so whatever five times, anyway, 800,000 is, so four million something. Okay, look at, in verse 21, it gives us what he spoke to the five-talent person, and in verse 23, what he spoke to the three, uh, two-talent person. Look at that for a second. See if you notice anything interesting. Do you notice anything interesting about those two verses? They're exactly the same. Is that weird? That the two-talent person gets exactly the same blessing as the five-talent person? What do you think God's trying to say? What do you think he's trying to say, guys? It's okay. You can, this is like I'm actually asking. Um, that's, that's the end of my notes, by the way. So don't worry. Don't be like, oh, no, if we, uh, if we talk, he's going to go 15 more... That's the end. That's, that's the end of my notes. <laughs> Literally, trust his reward. End of, end of page. So we're, we're, we're like, we're done. But just what do you think God's trying to convey there? It's not the quantity. What is it about? It's the quality of the gift. Somebody else? They understood his heart for them and, and including them in, in his business, in his work, his joy. They trusted his heart. Love that. Anybody else? Be content with what God's given you. What freedom, what joy comes with stopping the comparison or stopping the fear and being content. Walking and, and seeing, man, that sometimes generates a, a life and a fruit of its own. Anybody else? What's God saying? By having the exact same. <laughs> yeah. Just, they were faithful with it. God was looking for, for faithfulness. He wasn't looking for an amount or a, man, he just is saying, do you believe that I love you? Do you believe that I 
have given you gifts for, for your own good so you can enjoy having a purpose along with me? He was grateful for their eagerness. Yeah. How much he gave them did not determine their value. Man, enter into the joy of your master. I will put you in charge of me. Exact same thing. Because it's not about value. It's about, hey, are you a Mini Cooper or are you an Earth Mover? I don't know. But today, I'm glad I wasn't driving an Earth Mover trying to get from North Glen to Colorado Springs back up here. Or I would be here like in five hours. I'm telling you what, guys. God is wanting to open our eyes to understanding his end game for us, to reflect his goodness, to reflect his glory through the, through the million ways that are represented by each of you here in this room and those of you joining from home. Man, I have no idea. We were at a craft store last night, the DeMays down in the Springs. Man, I go there a lot, it seems like. But there was this little 10 by 10 pop-up tent with like, what was that, Dan? It was like wreaths made out of like just different kinds of like, what? Weeds. Like it was just brown, just dry, but it was kind of made a, a circle, you know, and just different little thing. And it was like, we're made in the image of God. Like literally people's talents and what they come up with and what they think to make and what they think. I don't know. Maybe that's you. You need to make wreaths. Maybe that's your talent. That's a word for somebody here. Who is it? Michael Jr. That's you. No, I'm just kidding. It's like, no, I don't want the wreath gift, tell it. <laughs> Whatever it is, guys, it might be something so simple. It might be something so simple. Michael, can I tell him about our conversation two nights ago? Okay, here's an example. Michael, Kirk right here, is at the Land of Color concert. Oh, no, wasn't at it, but saw it the last time they came, which was a couple months ago, whenever. October, and he also looked at one of their YouTube videos, and they have a song called Come On Down, and it has like a little instrumental breakdown, right? Do you guys remember that? And then it kind of has, I don't remember it, but it's like a, do, 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 you know, and it's everybody's supposed to get involved. So Michael, with the, the gift and talent God has given him, notices, well, on the YouTube video, they tried to have people whistle, but they admittedly said, that's kind of hard to whistle, but try to whistle along with this, <laughs> you know, didn't really work very well. Here at Shine, he saw the video. He's like, well, they tried to hum it, like, do, 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 ba, ba, do, ba, do, you know. But it still didn't quite take off. So what does he do? He gets the idea, I know what they need. You probably know what they need. Kazoos. <laughs> this, that's, what, that's what's keeping Land of Color from busting onto the main scene, onto the big leagues, baby. It, I mean, just going global is a simple... 50 cent kazoo. So he proceeds to design a kazoo, has a little shine diamond on it, but it doesn't have our names, very discreet, very classy. Land of color, come on down. He orders 200 of them. So you can imagine, as I'm negotiating this conference call with Thomas Ewing from Land of Color and Michael Kirk, who don't really know each other, and I'm like, okay, so Thomas, thanks for giving us your time. So we have an idea for you. <laughs> Michael proceeds to explain his idea. Dude, Thomas is like, oh my gosh, this is the greatest thing ever. We will absolutely give those out on a concert sometime in January. 
and see what it does, and maybe it's like a new thing. Can you imagine a kazoo could be part of a talent that God has given, part of creativity, ideas, but nothing brings people together like kazunity. So maybe the word for some of us is stop looking like way up here, like, oh, I got to like write a theology book for God. And maybe God's like, maybe I'm trying to give you an idea about a 50-cent kazoo. Maybe that's where it starts. And if we say yes to that, maybe we're being faithful in the little things, and God gives us more. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your life-giving word to us, God. Thank you for how you've wired each of us uniquely, differently, man, stuff that Half the time we think that's so stupid, like nobody would, that wouldn't bless anyone, that wouldn't reflect Jesus to anyone, and maybe that's the very thing that right now you're saying, no, that is my idea, that is from me. Take a chance, take a step, take a risk. Maybe try it in some small way and just see if my life is in it. God, I pray would we hear by the Holy Spirit that you've chosen us. We won the election, maybe not the national one in some way. You've elected us to go and reflect your glory. Every one of us won the election because you have chosen us to live in a manner worthy of the calling we have received. So God, I pray that we would do that. Would you whisper in your people your fresh creative ideas of how you've wired us uniquely, what capacity you've given us, what, what amazing, unique little talent you've put in our heart that can show your love and your glory to this world and bring worship and honor and glory to you. God, crush the lies of the enemy. Heal the broken hearts. God, if there's somebody encountering something so difficult, so seemingly unfair, that it's caused a barrier between them and you, God, I pray that with your love you would Speak tenderly to that heart. Bring your healing. Soothe that heart. Let them know that you're not angry, that you're not judging them, that you're not upset, but that you're inviting them, you're holding out your hand, saying, hey, put the gavel down and take hold of my hand. I want to pull you up with my goodness, my comfort, my love. God, as we look toward the end of days, whenever that is, Let us be about your end game in our hearts. Let us say yes to you, Jesus. Yes. (laughs) Yes to whatever it is. If if you feel comfortable saying, just say yes. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Lord. (laughs) To whatever you want. To wherever you lead. Yes. Yes, Lord, we'll follow you. We'll go with you. We'll dream with you. We'll love with you. We will speak with you. We will listen with you. We will shine with you. God bless your people. We thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen.